0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is your host, John Jantz, and my guest today is Chris Guillebeau. He is most recently the author of The Art of Nonconformity, Set Your Own Rules, Live Your Life You Want, and Change the World. So we have got some big, meaty topics today to talk about. Chris, thanks for joining me.
1: Hey, John. Thanks for having me, man.
0: So before we get into the Topic of nonconformity, um, you you are in the middle of, I think, still, uh, at this recording anyway, um, a fairly unconventional, or should I say nonconformist, uh, book tour. You want to talk about kind of what, what, what your, your ginormous goal is there?
1: Yes, um, sure. You know, I, this is my first book, and I was really excited about it. And so maybe 90 days before the book came out, I talked to the publisher and said, you know, hey, guys, what's the plan for the book tour? You know, where are you sending me? And uh, and they said, oh, we don't really do book tours anymore. You know, we don't have money for that. We don't think it's a good use of resources. And that was a little bit discouraging. But then I thought, well, I, you know, I would just, I'll just do it myself. And I'll, um, you know, if I have to, I'll put together the tour myself. And I've got great readers, you know, all across the country and really all across the world. Um, so I'll just work with them and we'll figure out how to do it. And then I don't like to do anything small. So the idea of just going to major markets didn't really sound that interesting to me. So I decided, well, I'll visit all 50 states. So we got all 50 states in, and I didn't want to leave Canada out, so I threw in all 10 provinces and added a couple other places, and I came up with uh, 63 cities in total. And so I um, just put this book tour together, and I went out to my readers and said, Hey, guys, I need some help. Um, you know, how can we make this work? And so people started volunteering to be co-hosts. People started volunteering to do photos and contact the local media, um, to bring cupcakes, um, to bake other things, you know, to bring stuff. And and it's, it's just been a fun experience so far. So um I just finished up uh, stop number 33 in Atlanta. And I'm home in Portland, Oregon for a few days, took a few days off. And then um next week I'll be going back out to Boise, Idaho and and beyond. So it's just been so much fun. I'm so glad I did it.
0: Yeah, I think you buzzed by me. We were going to chat, but I, I don't think you actually stopped in Kansas City. You were down the road away somewhere. But uh, I, I know you came came through here a few weeks back.
1: That's right. Yeah, I was in Lawrence. Actually. It was really yeah. nice stuff actually. And um, we had a bunch of books came out.
0: That's a great town. Um, the one of the—I'll get right into the book. One of the lines that I keep—I I know that it's something that that I, or at least I believe, is central to uh, your work. Um, that I want to kind of put out there and have you just take it whatever direction you want, and that is that you don't have to live the life the way other people expect you to. Um, How does that sort of manifest itself in your thinking?
1: Yeah, I would say that's probably the central message of the book, and I would just add to it um, to say also you can do good things for yourself and for others at the same time. It's not a false choice. It's not a dichotomy. So, um, you know, one of the things I like to write about is pursuing a big dream or pursuing a quest or a journey. So, you know, when I'm not traveling in the States, I'm, I'm trying to visit every country in the world. That's something I've been working on for a few years. It's just a personal quest. It's something I derive a lot of, you know, personal meaning or or validation from. And so I do that, but then, you know, I'm also trying to focus my work on helping others and helping others kind of do the same thing. So you don't have to live your life the way other people expect you to. I guess, um, you know, over time, it's, been kind of, it's become kind of a rallying point uh, for nonconformity, for unconventional people, um, not just people connecting with my work, but, you know, in general, Um I think a lot of people I think a lot of people do things because, you know, either because they're expected to, or because they, they think there's these assumptions or because it's the way their parents did things or their peers. And so, you know, a lot of what I'm trying to do is not necessarily um change people's thinking. Um, it's more of a self selecting message, you know, for people who are already interested in kind of doing something different. It's almost it's people. almost
0: like giving them permission, right?
1: Um, Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. I would say even helping people, you know, give themselves permission.
0: Yeah. Right. 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 Well, so how do you, how do you make that real so that it's not, I mean, it's a pretty easy thing to say, um, just like a a Nike slogan (coughs) might be. I mean, how do you make that real for somebody or, or, you know, bring it down to the tangible level? I know that, that I know that you have kind of this day by day path, but, uh, um, you know, if somebody's out there listening to this and they hear that message, okay, I don't have to live however they expect me to, but how do I not?
1: Right. Okay. So I would say the first thing is to figure out what they want. And I would say the first thing is like, okay, you know, what is it you would really like to do? And and for some people that's that's kind of new thinking, you know, so then the, the next question is, okay, what excites you? Mm-hmm. Um, what, are you what, what are you really interested in? Is there something you wanted to do when you were a kid but you, you started doing something else because you were told that wasn't realistic or wasn't practical? You know, another thing to think about is what bothers you. What bothers you about the world and, you know, what problem would you like to, you know, to create change in or whatever. And then kind of start, you know, looking at how to do that, whether that's in business like, you know, we're talking about here or in travel or in something, you know, completely different. I think, uh, you know, one thing that's helpful is to think about obstacles and to figure out, like, what are the obstacles in my way? If you want to start a small business, you know, you want to be an entrepreneur, um, what's holding you back from Mm -hmm. that? And I think there's a lot of misconceptions about, you know, what it takes to be an entrepreneur, what it takes to smart start a small business, um, you know, the misconception that you need a lot of money, the misconception that you need a certain kind of education, you know. And if you can kind of um, remove those obstacles, then I think that's a great start.
0: Yeah, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, people have spent a lot of years having that whacked out of them. Um, and uh, uh, right, and, right. and so just even getting to think, I mean, how do, you, how do you get back far enough from the hole a lot of people are in to, to even start thinking that way.
1: Well, I mean, again, I think it starts with with motivations and and starts with a dream that hopefully turns into a goal and yeah. uh, figuring out you know what it is you want to do and what your message is and how you can communicate that message and how it you know turns into a business if that's your goal, how you monetize it if that's your goal you know,
0: and so on. So how does the person that, um, and and again, I'm I'm going to let up a little bit here. I'm I'm just trying to push because I, I think there are a lot of. No, oh, this
1: is good. Dude, no, I, good I,
0: Go well, I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, uh, I'm going to, you know, we might as well let the four-hour work week out of the, you know, out of the bag here. Yeah. Um, sure. <laughs> you know, a lot of people read that book. And, of course, particularly because Tim, you know, was a little more in, in their face than than maybe you are um, a lot of people read that and said, okay yeah that 's great, but i 've got you know two kids in college and a mortgage, and you know i 'm not really sure in fact, I wrote a post giving him trouble one time I called the uh, the four Daughter work week, which is happens to, uh-huh. happens okay. to be my particular situation and and I okay. think that I okay. think that for a lot of people um, you know they have they, they say well look i 'm stuck. I mean, how do I get out of my stuck This halftime break is brought to you by constant contact constant contact helps small businesses and nonprofits build great customer relationships with email marketing, event marketing, and online surveys. Visit them today at constantcontact.com and sign up for your free 60 day trial.
1: Right. So I guess my next question would be, what kind of stuff are you trying to get out of and what are you trying to get right. to? And, uh, you know, if you feel like it's a financial stack, if you feel like it's the mortgage and the the security of the job, then I would say don't quit the job. Yeah. I would say find a way to start something on the side. Um, if you can find a way, you know, assuming the goal is is some kind of financial empowerment, whatever that is. Um, if you can find a, if you've never made any money for yourself before, making a hundred dollars or even fifteen dollars or whatever is very empowering. Yeah. So you know, I would I would always start with that. Let's see what we can do to kind of get you on on your track without investing a lot of money. Um, and without quitting your job. And then in the long term, I think, in the long term, it is kind of about questioning where that security comes from. And I think one of the things that's been good about the recession and the whole, like, you know, redefining, you know, financial stuff and career stuff over the past few years, one of the things that's good is that, um, you know, it forces us to kind of look at what really is risky. So entrepreneurship has traditionally been viewed as a risk. You know, it's, like, very risky to go out on your own um, and the the safe path is to, you know, get a job and work at that same job for 40 years or whatever. But I think a lot of people now realize that maybe it's actually <laughs> safer create your, your own security somehow, right?
0: Yeah. In fact, I, I, you know, I talk to entrepreneur groups all the time and that whole idea of risk it, it, you're, right. it, is a profile that I've actually found not to be true at all. Entrepreneurs aren't risk takers. They've just found something more important to them than security.
1: Right. Exactly. I would say some, some entrepreneurs can be quite conservative actually. Yeah, exactly. I mean, some entrepreneurs actually, you know, are really choosing the safe the safe route by yeah. building something for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I agree.
0: So, let's talk about world dominance. Another uh, topic <laughs> that uh, you spend a fair uh, amount of time talking about. Are we talking Pinky in the brain here or uh... <laughs>
1: You know, I wrote uh, I wrote a manifesto called A Brief Guide to World Domination uh, when I first started blogging, and that was something that really kind of helped me, uh, mm-hmm. you know, kind of get my name out there, build a platform. And I think, you know, in the beginning, it was mostly just uh, it was an interesting thing that people would hear that and they're like, "Oh, what's that about?" You know, it's, uh, it's kind of a polarizing thing that it attracts some people and repels other people. But I would say uh, mostly when I talk about world domination, it's kind of that concept of nonconformity that we talked about earlier about you know how to do good things for yourself, um, you know, while also hopefully you know, making the world a better place for others at the same time, which is what I think, you know, which is what I think entrepreneurs do in general. I think, uh, you know, my motivation for getting started as an entrepreneur, like, 10 years ago, um, it wasn't the best motivation. I mean, the motivation was just, like, I don't want to be an employee. I don't want to work for someone else. Um, I'm not a good employee, so how can I find any way, you know, legally, morally, um, to support myself? And I I, I probably shouldn't say it was a bad motivation. It just wasn't really a higher-level motivation. And then, uh, you know, like, over time, like, I come to see entrepreneurship as an important way to change the world, you know, to create wealth and value where there wasn't there before and all that kind of stuff. But that was a transition, you know, in the beginning, it's mostly like how can I just, you know, not be an employee or whatever.
0: But I think that that's a lot of people's motivation. And a lot of times it's just because they don't know any better and you get into, you know, you think, yeah, this is a way I can do something that I know I need to do, you know, put it put right me on the table. Um, and it's until right. you're inside of it that you, you know, develop sort of this higher purpose, I think, um, you know, I, I will tell I tell people all the time I created my business because I was just too curious for anybody um, okay. to, to employ me. Um, and and it, but but I now often talk about, you know, finding a higher purpose in that. And it doesn't have to be spiritual or religious. It just it's something sure. that, you know, that I believe is is valuable. And I think that that's that's not something I think that you sit around a table one day in a strategic planning meeting and come up with. Um, right, but it's right. something no, that you sort of have to experience, right?
1: Yeah, it's an evolution. Yeah, because I think a
0: lot of people really beat themselves up saying, "How do I find meaningful work?" Mm. You know, I mean, right, right. I, 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 mean, don't you think that some of it, you know, it's not something that you just create one day. <laughs> it's sure, it's I a lot know, of what you're talking yeah. about.
1: Yeah, no, I think I think there is a desire for meaningful work. I think right. it's something that we do want to answer right. at some point. But I but I agree that you know we can spend a lot of time and a lot of years even, you know, just being stuck trying to figure something out instead of just going and and doing something. And that's, that's how I've always built my business. I never built like a huge business or anything. It's only now, you know, after working for myself for more than 10 years, I mean, I still don't have a huge business, but I'm actually starting to be somewhat strategic about what I'm doing. You know, for, for the better part of 10 years, it was mostly like, how can I just make a living? How can I support myself and my wife so we can do what we want? I mean, we went and lived overseas for four years and, you know, supported myself, supported ourselves by doing consulting back at home and, you know, other business stuff. And that was just the whole motivation for 10 years. And so now it's just, now it's finally like, okay, you know, where are we going with this and, and what's next?
0: Yeah. I think, I think part of what you're saying is, you know, get in the
1: game. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> the, that's why that's why it's empowering to do something yeah. very small in yeah. the beginning. It's so empowering, you know, it's just, uh, I mean, I, I met this guy on, um, on book tour. I, I saw him at two different stops. I forget the first stop. And I saw him at West Virginia. Like a few weeks later, and at the first stop, he was telling me this story about how he had this this uh, art art print business. Uh, like he took uh, he was a photographer and he was, mm-hmm. he was trying to sell prints or something, but he hadn't really got started. We talked about a few things he could do to get that started or whatever. And a few weeks later, I saw him again, and he told the story of selling his first print for fifty dollars. And he was so so excited. He was like, "This is." He's like, "I just felt so good when I saw like you know the, the fifty dollars come in and the email with the order and stuff and." You know, he was like, it's not just about the $50. It's about the fact that I created yeah. something and I yeah. put it out there and I sold it. And so I think that's very empowering.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Get in the game. I like that. <laughs> so you spent, because, um, and, and I think this is like a convergence of paths probably for you, right? Um, you spend so much time figuring out how to travel that you've actually made um, a, what would we call it a side business uh, <laughs> out, of, out of teaching people how to travel uh, inexpensively or at least well.
1: Yeah, um, and that that also came about very uh, organically. Like after I started the blog, I didn't really have a big monetization plan for the blog two and a half years ago. Um, I just kind of wanted to have a blog and I wanted to write a book at some point. But then I noticed um, people kept asking me like the same questions over and over. Mm-hmm. Um, usually pretty te- technical logistical questions about you know how I booked my round the world plane tickets or how I used frequent flyer miles and all that kind of stuff. And so um, I just decided like I'll just create this side business as you call it. And um, I'll, you know, I'll create some information products and put some resources out there for people who want them, and make it clear that the blog is always going to be free. I'm happy to do 80, 90 percent of my work for free, but this is, you know, this other stuff is there for people who want it. And, and yeah, that's that's grown quite a bit. And uh, I really love the whole like freemium model of, um, you know, giving away as much as I can, but then, you know, being able to to live off of the the paid stuff. I mean, it's working out great. <laughs>
0: Well, and you are uh, what have you seen? 90 percent of the world, from a country passport standpoint.
1: Oh, how many countries have I been to so yeah, far? Yeah. Uh, percentage wise, yeah, I'm not sure. I've been to uh, I've actually been to about three quarters so far, so 151 countries wow. out of 192. Wow. But um, it's one it's one of those things that gets progressively more difficult. Yeah. So um, you know, I've got about two and a half years left on my my goal, and uh, you know, I run out of easy countries. So
0: are there so, f- there are a few that are not real interested in you visiting, you mean?
1: Um, there are a few like that, but yeah. that's not uh not necessarily what I mean. I mean more like there's a lot of places that aren't necessarily dangerous or yeah, yeah. you know, bad countries that are just hard to get to. I mean there's yeah. a lot of islands in the middle of the South Pacific. There's a lot wow. of lot of countries in Africa. I mean I lived in Africa for four years. Wow. I've been to twenty four countries in Africa, but still, you know, yeah. there's still like there's fifty two total. So wow. I still got a lot to do. Wow,
0: wow. Well neat well I um um I also noticed that you have some, some ways to not just, you know, get around, but even like how do you get frequent flyer miles and best way to rent cars and all that kind of stuff too. Yeah, so, sure, so, sure, sure know, yeah. A lot of business folks I think could benefit uh, from that as well. Um yeah. So the, the last thing I want to finish up with is uh, you are working on something. We started – we talked about this initially off the air. You're working on something that you're calling the World Domination Summit. So uh, yeah, Correct. um that's going to be just, uh, middle of 2011. You want to kind of t- talk a little bit about what your plans and maybe uh, aspirations for that event are?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, when I when I started doing the unconventional book tour, you know, I'm basically doing, uh, you know, it's mostly informal meetups. Like I'm going, I'm giving a short talk, and I do question and answer, but then a lot of people just kind of hang out. And I've noticed there's a lot of just opportunity in gathering like-minded people together, uh-huh. um, which is not to say we would agree on everything, but just, you know, entrepreneurs and travelers and, you know, aid workers and all kinds of people doing fun, non-conventional stuff. Um, and so I was thinking, like, how can we scale this? How can we do this? Not just, uh, you know, whenever I go to Houston or Dallas or wherever, but how can I, like, bring people together from all over the world? So um, that's when I decided to create um, the World Domination Summit. And so this is a weekend event uh, here in Portland, Oregon, the first, week- first weekend of, of June uh, next year. So um, I printed out the Portland Art Museum, and I'm working with a team um, we're going to have speakers. We're going to have a number of workshops. It's going to be very participatory, um, but there's also going to be a number of community events. Um, and so I'm bringing about 500 people um, together from all over the world, and uh, I'm really excited about it and also scared because I don't know how to plan an event, but I'm figuring it out pretty pretty quickly, and uh, it's going to be good.
0: Yeah, well, just embrace chaos. That's what I always say.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. We'll, we'll make that on your tagline.
0: <laughs> well, Chris, thanks for joining me. Um, I... I love the art of nonconformity and i know it is sold extremely well because i think there are, uh, there are a lot of people even uh, not only in jobs that have 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 struck out on their own but i think that there may be uh, they haven't quite figured out their rules yet and uh, um so i think your book's helped a lot of folks in that regard and i sure appreciate you taking the time to visit with me
1: hey john thanks so much it's a big honor take care